Welcome back to another episode of the Ex-Experts Podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And today we'd like to welcome back Tracy Burns, financial advisor at UBS and a certified divorce financial analyst. Um, welcome back, Tracy. Hey, we, we asked Tracy to come back because from her last podcast, we touched a little bit on budgeting, even more so after the podcast was finished recording. So we really wanted to go a little bit deeper because budgeting is critical no matter where you are in your life, but certainly during a divorce. So welcome yeah. back. Thank you. For sure. And if nothing else, even if you're like we talked last time about if you're thinking about it and you're planning. Now, that is the perfect time to start really thinking about how much do we really spend in this household? And and sadly, you're going to have to take a long, hard look at how much money flows out of your pocket because it, it could very well make you sick. I feel like also having now been going through it now for the second time, like you, there's so many little expenses that you kind of don't even really think about and you don't even realize mm -hmm. I don't drink coffee, but it's almost like akin to the whole Starbucks habit. Like right. you don't realize you're spending X amount per day on, you know, fancy coffee or whatever, things like that. Um, so one of the things that we were talking about the last, I think it was afterwards was how for me personally, like one of the most important and impactful things I started doing was to try to stop using credit cards as much as possible and really try to use cash for everything. And I think that's so noble and so amazing. And if I could go there, I would. I, I am guilty, though, of putting Apple Pay on my kids' phones. And so as a result, I started using it too. But And then you get used to not carrying a wallet. I don't carry anything. I just carry my phone. And so I completely went the other way with it. I Both could work, though. It doesn't mean one is going to be a budgeter, better budgeter than the other. Um, it's just you have to figure out what's going to work for you. So where, literally, where do you start? If someone's like, okay, I need, I want to try to get a gauge of what our expenses are on a typical monthly basis, where the money's going, like, where do I start? Is there a download template someplace? Like literally step one. So this now depends on how you manage, how you do things. You're old school, you wanna write it down. I have the best budget worksheet for you and we'll make sure that everyone gets access to it. It's easy, it gets to the point. If you wanna do it all on your phone, like your whole life is on your phone, there are some great apps out there. Mint is one of the uh, great ones. Pocket Guard is another really good user-friendly. These are tried and true budgeting apps. They'll connect to all your bank accounts, all your credit card statements. They're amazing. TH, we were talking earlier, though, about how your credit cards actually do a lot of the work for you. So if maybe you just wanted to take one month, right, and just say, I'm only going to use my Amex for everything I do, Amex ostensibly will track all your spending. How? Again, you might puke at the end Gary. of it. But, it's but, scary. But every charge <laughs> you put through on that Amex could, very, could be broken out, and you could get a good sense. The banks and the credit card companies do a great job at this. How they actually categorize it? it, Jess. They they give you, right. so based on the vendor, they say you spent this much on food and entertainment, this much on retail, this much. So so they categorize your expenses. So when you see how much online shopping I do, which is why I can't pay cash because they don't take cash like that for my online addiction. 
No, um, but I, okay, it's so let me scary. ask you a really like logical kind of question because that's awesome if everything gets tracked like that. But my my question is not that I wouldn't necessarily do it, but I mean, realistically, what is that kind of your time investment to set all of that up so that it's able to track things accurately? Is this and not not to just not to deter people, but just to know, like, if you want to go in there and you want to use, I first want to also know the difference between Mint and Pocket Guard, and to, so you can let people know why those and, and what the changes are. But like, if I want to go in and have Amex track everything of mine and know what categories these things are in, what kind of time am I going to have to put in there to set up that system? Mm -hmm. So really, Amex figures it out sort of on its own, right? That it's a restaurant, it goes to food. That it's retail, it goes to retail. Like, so, you know, if you want it really granular, you're going to have to do a little work on yourself. But gas is broken out. And TH is right. You get a nice little pie chart. Again, it, it may make you throw up, but <laughs> you get to see where your money goes. And granted, now this is just the out-of-pocket expenses, right? This doesn't include your utilities and the kids' sports and all that kind of stuff. This is the stuff, but the stuff through Amex or or your bank, that's the stuff that we forget about the most. Like those are the harder things to budget. So it's often a really good idea to give that a shot because those ancillary expenses, every time you go get coffee, you get frozen yogurt, somebody needs a manicure, it, next thing you know, it's it could be a lot of money. It, it adds fair. up and, and actually I just typed up financial diet because it, it's taking responsibility, right? So right. for me, every like little snack or whatever, I have started to load into an app to track and take responsibility for it. But the truth is, if you're going to be honest with yourself about your expenses and really get, um, take a good hard look at it, then it's going to take some work and you're going to have to put in the time because you know what, the money's just not going to be there when you have to go pay the bill next month if you don't take responsibility. It's also just so interesting well, and true, like just to be able to be honest with yourself, I was doing this recently, creating a budget now that I'm going through the divorce process again. And I was going through it with my brother, who is also a, a wealth manager. And he looked at my monthly expense worksheet and he sent it back to me and was like, this is totally not filled out. He's like, you've nothing in here for birthday <laughs> presents. You've nothing in yes. here for, right. Like he brought up some things and I'm kind of like, I, I don't know how much he's like, when you go to someone's house and you bring them a bottle of wine mm -hmm. or you send someone flowers, he's like, mm -hmm. you need to realistically think how much of that are you spending per month? And you know what? It made me realize like over the summer, I had to get one of my son's friend's parents, a, you know, a gift right. and it ended up being like a hundred dollars. And then there were a couple of places that I went where I brought bottles of wine. Like that's another hundred dollars. Like it, it, the honesty is the real, like, I, I don't want to admit where it was going. Right. Well, and but hold on. Don't stop bringing baked by Melissa to my house. Right. <laughs> okay. I can't afford it anymore. Just, just make a line. So get the smaller one. I only need three. I'm going to need an okay. itemized line on my budget <laughs> sheet for baked so, by Melissa's for tea. Right. So don't get the big pack. Get the mini pack. I'll be perfectly happy with the mini pack. Okay. The rest, everybody else could stop. Just keep bringing me my but big one. But the truth is, and Jess, you make a great point on the, the nitty gritty of it, because you're going to, if indeed you go through a divorce, you are going to have to fill out this form. We've all done it. It's got 50 million little line items on it of, did you spend on this? Did you spend on that? And gifts is a huge one, especially if you have kids. Especially if you have Jewish kids and they're going to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, dare I say. That cost me a load of money. 
Especially oh, yeah. if you have, you know, sweet 16s coming up. Like these things add up and we just sit there and hand out checks to kids sometimes. Right. And right. You, do, you have to really be honest. That's why I actually think taking a month, much like, I love that you said it was a financial diet. Much like you say to yourself, I'm going on a diet for a month. Go on a financial diet for a month right. too. Give it a month. Maybe choose to put it all on your Amex. Maybe <laughs> just maybe choose to record it all on an app. One month, you'll get a really good sense. Sure, maybe it's not soccer season and you don't have soccer equipment in there, but you'll get a really good sense of what goes out the door in your household on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that that then you put that aside and then you go back to, okay, money in, what do I spend to keep the lights on? And then you figure that part out. Yeah. And so tell us about these two apps that you love the most and what the difference is between them. It's really preference. I would try them both. Mint is connected to Quicken. So it's really, so if people use Quicken to um, keep track of things, it flows through. Mint's just been around really long time. Try, they have tried, worked through the kinks. It's, it's super user-friendly. Pocket Guard is just as good. Um, I, again, it's a preference. It's whatever you're going to do and use. Whatever mm-hmm. you're going to use, you have to just pick one. It could be a note in your phone. You could make, you know, you could be that person that takes notes in your phone and voice text yourself every time you spend something. But yeah, but try to track it because then you have to still worry about the stuff at home, right? The right. money in, money out to keep the lights on because there is still that. Right. It's not just coffee and manicures. So. I love all of that information on the nitty gritty and the small details because it's like that we, that's where we get lost in the small details right. and you don't realize like all of a sudden you were spending an extra $500 or $1,000 a month. You don't even know where the money went. Right. But let's talk about some of the bigger things because again, as I'm going through it literally right now <laughs> with both the budgeting and housing situation and, and mm-hmm. working on you know buying an apartment, like I'm all up to my ears in debt to income ratio and all different kinds of Um, phrases that a lot of people don't know what they mean. And also in situations where people aren't sure how much of their income should be going towards specific types of expenses like their home. You know, we talked a little bit the last time about everybody, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people think if you're getting divorced, like you just want to try to keep the home, especially if you have kids, it's like that sense Mm -hmm. of stability, keeping the kids in their same house. But the truth is, depending on your specific individual situation, you said, don't keep the house. Like that sometimes could be the worst, excuse me, the worst decision. So talk us through that other side of it. Right. So now you have to figure out, okay, so now we go home and we figure out what it takes to live. Not, you know, aside from spending and and, and getting out and doing fun things. What does it take to just live? How much income comes in? Am I working? Am I paying myself first? And I hope the answer is yes. Do not try, 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 try to not skimp on a 401k contribution. Really try to keep that going, especially if you're a W-2 employee. Try really hard to put money away for yourself first. I feel like we, we let savings go when money gets tight. So really figure that stuff out. Money in, less my 401k, what's left? Then I got to pay the bills at home. And that's everything, right? That's utility. That's... Um, you know, insurance, that's um, the kid's school. If he's, if they are in private, is it childcare? Are you saving for college? That should, those are important expenses we're not skimping on. We could mm-hmm. cut back on that Starbucks later on, but we cannot skimp on these up front. So if there are medical bills that need to be paid on a consistent basis, all that stuff, 
And then of course, I would love to see an emergency fund of sorts being fed and kept and untouched. Those are wish lists. Wish so do, lists. do those apps have um, a feature where you just, I know there was an app I heard of a while ago called Stash, I think it was, where you would, it's like $10 a week. It just automatically saves $10 a week. You don't even, you know, you figure out how much you want to put away. Mm -hmm. So it's automatic. It's not really affecting you per se. Um, so the one question is, do any of those apps have something like that? And something else to really talk about in the nitty gritty in today's world, now that I think about the things you're talking about, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am a subscription subscriber online. Mm. Oh, it's only $39 for the year. Oh, it's only $12.99 a month, $32 a month. And then you're like, holy shit, right. I've got like $150 worth of monthly subscription. I don't even know why. Right. 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 That's and that actually scary LinkedIn too. LinkedIn learning. LinkedIn learning. Well, that's that's important. <laughs> but that's the problem. You oh, can then, justify stuff. That's a right. Because so 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 once you do the absolute essentials, and, and if the, you could probably you some might put their gym membership in as an essential. I, I would not because I could I could work out at home. So mm -hmm. I think it depends, right? And then you really start to think about the stuff that I, I, I really want, like the subscriptions and things like that in social events. Like I really like going out twice a week. Should I? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Things like that. I really want to shop. I really want I, or a need. You justify it any way you want to, but you got to be honest because then you got to go to that stuff too. The dining, the clothing, subscriptions. Um, anyhow, you know, you might have a hobby that's really expensive. I'm a wine drinker. Like you said, Jess, that adds up really quickly. <laughs> quickly. Is that a if hobby? You are, <laughs> I wish, one day I'm going to make an attempt to it write off be. my wine. If I make your own label. Right. You're right. Uh, home improvement, you know, there's a lot of people that love to decorate. That kind of stuff, again, adds up. Every time you stroll through home goods, is that stuff necessary? Mm. I would put those kind of in the wants column, not the needs, yeah. and really start to analyze where your money's going. And, and, and then you get a real good sense of, can I do this on my own? Because like we said in the last one, you, I would shave 30% off the top and then split what you have. So you're not going to be living on the same income. You got to remember that. Clear, you, that specific formula you just mentioned, that was your married joint income, shave 30% off the top of that. So if combined, the two of you make 300,000, now take off 100,000. Now you're at 200,000. And then you're saying split that so you should then consider how you're going to make do on that 100,000 that's left. Yeah, so maybe not all, you know, maybe end up with 125. And of course it depends on okay, give or take. money. Well, sure. But you got it. You have to know it's not going to be 50%. It's just right. not. Right. Right? There's attorneys. There's it, it's just not. Not to mention now you have two we talked about this, two utility bills, two cable bills. So mm -hmm. the the discretionary income at the end of the day is far less. So you have to be really realistic about this. So I can you, sorry, go ahead, Tage. Well, I was just going to say, you also, also have to think about, like in my mind, I would say, okay, I just, I need to take care of me. I don't really care how he takes care of himself. You know, that's his money. That's his problem. But the truth is you have to remember that too, because you're, if you have children, your children are going to go live there and they need a room and they need stuff at that house. So those are 
things to remember also as far as kids. And then I just want to go back for one minute because the woman we just did an interview with said, I have a monkey brain. So just leveraging my monkey brain, (laughs) um, putting stuff away. Also, if you're in a home, so if you're in a shared home and then you separate, do you want another house? I mean, you really have to put money away in case you have a leak or the roof something or a tree somewhere or whatever. Um, You know, what kind of a home do you want? You know, you want low maintenance. Can you afford one where you can maintain it, you know, yourself or you hire someone? I mean, the expenses could be endless depending on where you choose to live. Once you shave your 30 percent, you get rid of the house. What can you actually afford? You might have to be in an apartment instead of a home, private home. This is a great conversation. And I think people really need to be honest about it because so many people think, so many women in particular think they need to keep the house. And why? Why? If you really like to get your nails done and you really like to go shopping, why not put yourself in a smaller home, make your you know, your mortgage so much less or your rent even at this point, why not rent for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Get that down. That way you can continue to maintain some semblance of your old life. If that stuff truly means something to you, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's really about being honest. Like if you are the person that has to show off that big fat house, go for it. But know that you're going to have to cut out in a lot of other places. Like I always joked uh, with my kids that I would shut the lights off in certain rooms if they weren't in them in the beginning, because I was still in our our marital home, which was too stupid for us, for me alone, until I sold it. So I'm like, if you're not in the room, shut the lights. But yeah. you don't want if you don't want to live like that, <laughs> consider it. And I will say one more thing: there are some amazing mortgage calculators out there that people really that you could play around with. Bankrate.com has a great one. I'm happy to include the links um, in the write up. You put in the mortgage amount, you can, and it, you include everything. It includes your taxes. If it's a condo, the homeowners, uh, the fees and the association fees. And then you really get a sense of what you can get for how much money. And then you know where to look too. I think we make the mistake of going out and starting to look at big gigundo homes only to realize we can't really afford those. So it's better mm-hmm. to start from the bottom up. So is there, before we like wrap things up, I know banks, especially if someone wants to go get a mortgage, is going to calculate specific things with regards to debt to income mm-hmm. ratio and things like that. Um, and and can you, first of all, can you just briefly say what that means for anyone listening and who doesn't know what that is? But also, do you think there's um, sort of a good rule of thumb of of how much of your um, you know annual income or how much of your monthly income would be like a comfort level to be able to be spending on your home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so debt to income, right? You don't want your mortgage to be 75% of your total income. You'll have nothing left but a cup of coffee at the end of the day, right? You would hope that your mortgage, your rent sits somewhere around 30% of your total income. That's a fair Mm -hmm. number. It's Mm -hmm. not fair though, if you live in Manhattan, you live in LA, you live in Miami. Like I. That's a rough number. That's really hard to hit. So so now it depends on what you're cutting out. If you don't have a car, you probably could put a little bit more towards your rent or your mortgage, right? Um, if you you know if if you live in a um, a, a lower um, you know where things are cheaper, again, not tri-state area like us. If a cup of coffee is a dollar fifty as opposed to four fifty up here, 
your outside expenses are less, you can put more towards your living. You really have to figure out where you are. But I would say 30% is where you should try to be. Not always reasonable, but where you should try to be. Okay, fair enough. Great. Um, there's still so much more to talk about, <laughs> as always. So we, and we already, I know we already have other things on the books to be able to have you back and talk about more stuff. But we do want to ask you, since you, in addition to being an ex-expert with all of the financial um, expertise, you are also a real life ex-expert like us, because mm. you've also been divorced. So what's one thing that you wish you knew before that's, getting divorced? That's a great question. So my kids were little um, and I did not have any idea or anticipate how expensive <laughs> they could be, but um, sports... Sports in particular was not budgeted into our plan. So we ended up having to go back because I had lunatics who, you know, did travel baseball and com dance competitions and things that you need a part-time job to cover. And so mm -hmm. I didn't know. I just didn't know. So I would say if you are, you do have young kids, maybe ask, maybe ask someone who has older kids, what am I not thinking of? Right. Um, right. Because when they're older, right, you know, it's college. They're eventually going to live on their own. Someone's going to get married. It's a little bit more obvious when they're little and you're a first time parent. Holy cow. I had no idea. I would say that was my biggest mistake. That's hmm. a really good tip. That's great. Um, Thank you. For anyone yeah. out there listening who wants more of your advice to talk to you directly, what are the best ways for them to find you? My email is tracy.burns, B-Y-R-N-E-S, at UBS.com. And I'm, of course, on Twitter at Tracy Burns and LinkedIn as well. You can get me anywhere, but please reach out. And I think... For anyone, this is a really good exercise. Just, we all should do this, you know, once a year probably to get a sense of where the heck we are. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all that would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode and everything ex-experts. Be sure and click to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media at ex-experts. That's E-X-E-X-P-E-R-T-S on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening.